Why don't we have targets in learning development or with our leadership programs that said this leadership program should add one or two percent to the bottom line? Engagement is a huge problem. You don't just get engagement. You can't just send emails to people. People ignore e- emails, right, or messages. They do if they're not relevant and if they don't, you know, speak to them. If you don't start, it'll take another 10 years from tomorrow or day after tomorrow, right? So you just got to get started. And if you can take one thing from this podcast, and I would choose, this would be the thing. Whenever learning interventions are designed, please have a goal in mind that is measurable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Marketing for Learning podcast. I have a fantastic guest here to talk about marketing for learning. I've got Peter Manish Reber here. He is based at Novo Nordisk. He's going to tell you a little bit about himself and his role there. He's going to talk about the amazing marketing for learning efforts that him and his team are undertaking and some of the fantastic results that they're seeing as a consequence of marketing for learning. Peter, hey, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Hi, Ashley. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. And thank you for letting me join this wonderful podcast. Can't wait to uh, to have this conversation with you. Me too. I'm really excited. Obviously, you know, I kind of reached out a while ago and I saw you posting about marketing for learning on LinkedIn. I was like, oh my God, he has to come and talk about this on the podcast. So thank you. I know you're really busy. So giving me your time, I really appreciate it. Would you, obviously, I completely omitted your job title when I first introduced you because I realized I don't actually know what your official job title is at Novo Nordisk. So would you maybe just take a, a pause for a moment just to give the listeners who aren't familiar with you a bit of insight into who you are, what you do, and a bit of background into your career and, you know, let's substantiate all this uh, learning expertise that you have. Yeah, sure thing. And don't feel bad about forgetting my job title. My wife doesn't even know what it is and no one really cares and it doesn't matter. <laughs> But I am the head of digital learning and analytics at Novo Nordisk and we're a pharma company um, trying to defeat diabetes and other chronic diseases. And yeah, it's a magnificent company to work for um, in many ways. But what, what I've done in the past is uh, basically just work with learning as a teacher, but also uh, in corporate uh, with digital learning as a, as a subject, a special, specialty, right? Mm. And um, yeah, I've been, been browsing my way through, you know, building platforms, building e-learning stuff and sending it out there and not really seeing the effect of it, which made the passion around measuring the impact of learning and actually finding out how do we get the right stuff to the right people at the right time and how do we measure if people... Uh, succeed with the stuff that we try to teach them and actually learn something, develop themselves, but also create results for the companies they're working for. And that passion has just never left me. Um, so I'm still chasing chasing that um, uh, ferociously, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, it's rare to see the word analytics in a job title. I know, I, I, you know, I'm with you there, you know, people make them up all the time, what a chief innovation officer or whatever <laughs> all this stuff is. But, you know, it's it's rare that in our industry, I see analytics so well aligned with L&D. I mean, would you be would you be the first to kind of attest that it's not really a common trait in L&D that we like to measure what we do and, and monitor our performance? It really isn't. Um, that's right. I, I know a few people through the network now who are doing amazing things, and I'm fortunately meeting more and more who wants to do amazing things with both data analytics and also marketing. So I think there's a development in the right direction, um, if we can call that a right direction. But for me, it is the right direction, at least. I guess we can agree on that in this 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 call that the, 
that it is. Um, but no, and 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 basically, um, and I'm not done analyzing the whole context and reason why that is, but it's a mix between us as L&D professionals not chasing that enough and then the internal clients that we're uh, servicing not asking for it. Um, and it's a funny thing because in all other divisions, all other places in a company, you'd see data as an integral part of what they do and you need to prove that the stuff that you do actually works um, in products, in quality, in safety, all sorts of other places. You do need to make sure that if you send a new product on the market that you haven't just guessed your way through it and produced one version and then just sent that out and hoping it made a difference. That's really not how product development works. And it's not our fault as such, as L&D people only. It's, it's a mix. Um, it's a joint venture between the business and ourselves. We need to upskill ourselves and we need to ask the question, uh, how do we make ourselves accountable for what we do? Yeah, and I, you know, I do think that is so true, by the way. You know, I, I've been working in this industry for a decade now. And I mean, obviously, a lot of that has been as a marketer on the vendor side. And it, it used to blow my mind that, you know, I used to have to write case studies and things like that. And I'd be like, well, where's the data? You know, we're writing like the, the case study, like the challenge, the solution, the outcome. The outcome was always kind of very lacking. Well, people liked it. Or yeah. It looked nice. And, you know, and I'd think like, you what? Like, I've got, over here, I've got my MD, like, getting quite cross with me because I haven't been able to prove that the strat we've delivered is actually delivering any business goals, business impact, whatever those might be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's always, it's always kind of beggared belief as far as I'm concerned that, you know, we are spending, in many cases, significant sums of money and not seeking any evidence of impact, you know, an ROI is a, is a squirrely thing, you know, what does that even mean? But impact is important, right? Like what, what are we doing all this for if at the end of it, we don't know whether we actually have changed performance, shifted behavior, done, done what we are trying to accomplish from a, from a business and L&D goal perspective. It, it's, it's, a, it's kind of crazy. So I love that it's a big emphasis on your role. And you've got, uh, I think you've got Derek Mitchell in your team now as well, haven't you? I certainly do. Yeah. 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 He's the father of all, of all this. <laughs> the godfather. He is the smartest guy around. <laughs> well, he is. I mean, yeah. um, he's, he's brilliant. Uh, so I'm really happy that he's in our team. Definitely. And yeah, there, there's something around the confidence, uh, a detail around that that's really interesting. The targets that we set internally in L&D is often to get a number of people on a course or to get a satisfaction rate or even a confidence interval. That's fine. But why don't we have targets in learning development or with our leadership programs that said this leadership program should add one or two percent to the bottom line of the sales? Mm-hmm. That would that would create a whole different world in designing the course, in rolling it out, in following up, in measuring correlations, trying to get to causality around did our leadership program actually benefit? Did it contribute to additional sales? And you can do that by A-B testing, control groups, all sorts of stuff where you'd be able to track whether that program made a difference. But we are too afraid to be accountable all the way out there. Because, and I think we're hiding behind something where you can't really measure learning. It's not really that, it's a process in the brain and and it doesn't really need to materialize. I'm like, yeah, but we're also a business, right? Sure. (laughs) We're in business. So, and and it doesn't have to be um, monetary. It doesn't have to be financial targets that we said. It could also be well-being or safety or other things that makes our lives better as people in in companies, right? But Mm. we're just not confident enough to make those um, 
targets, which I think is a little bit of a pity because yeah. I think we have the skills and we can do it. Yeah, but I think I think ultimately if the business isn't demanding it, we're, you know, we're never going to do it off yeah. our own backs because I agree, like, I think there's an absolute fear because what if we start measuring stuff and we look really bad? You know, and yeah. I think I think that that is genuinely what goes through, through people's heads. That fear is absolutely real. But we've got to overcome that because actually that's where the real learning for us happens, you know, in terms of actually understanding what's going on. And, you know, I mean, God, as a marketer, I love failure because it helps me understand more about what's working and what's not, to be honest. So I have a question for you. Obviously, you know, we've posited a lot of ideas. Well, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we measuring that? So as an L&D function at Novo Nordisk, what are your goals or your targets or what are you actually measuring beyond the completion, beyond the bum on seat or, you know, beyond anything kind of the standard measurements that we would typically use in an L&D function? Yeah, and this is where it becomes a, not a political answer, um, but an honest answer, I, I'll say. It's a journey for us. Um, we are collecting data on all sorts of things from the business. So that's sales, production, efficiency, safety, all sorts of things that you can that you can think of, right? So we can actually do correlation analysis between people completing stuff and the performance in the business. But what we need is the most important thing. And if you can take one thing from this podcast, and I would choose, this would be the thing. Whenever learning interventions are designed, please have a goal in mind that is measurable, saying we want to change this in the business from this level to this level or with people from this level to this level. We can do a baseline. We can see there's a problem or a challenge or an opportunity to improve something, but we've got that tangible outcome in mind when we design our intervention. That could be a program, that could be a course, that could be anything, right? Mm. You deploy that program, and if you're really, really, really um, bold, you do it in different versions because if you're humble enough, you wouldn't think that you could just make the version that would work. So try different versions of your stuff, send it out there to different uh, populations and control groups, and then find out what works the best and then scale from there. Mm. It takes a little bit more time, but it is the right way to do it because you'll know with data that your approach will work uh, or is mo most likely to work in the context that you're trying it out in. So that's what we're trying to get to. And when I say it's a journey is we have a lot, as I think a lot of the listeners, if they're L&D people in corporates, we've got a lot of legacy stuff lying around that wasn't designed to fix a problem, but we're just expected to have that on the shelves. And that is pulling it a little bit back because we are expected as a corporate L&D function to have something on the shelves for a wide population on a wide range of topics, which wasn't designed to fix a problem or to overcome a challenge or to um, increase an opportunity. So I think where we can make the most impact is by taking our key programs, core stuff, and start not only backtracking, but when we do redesigns or when we want to do new things, we get new requests in, is, is to really get to nail down what's the problem that we're trying to solve. What's the opportunity that we're trying to seek here and then design from there, do the baseline uh, analytics and then start deploying from there. And that's what we're trying to do. And, and we have the full foundational data set up ready. We can do this. 
but deploying metrics and analytics on 15,000 different learning interventions at, at the same time in a million different contexts is just not even where machine learning can help us mm. at this stage. It's, it's like way too much. Um, so we do, I do need to circle in on the specific interventions where we know what we want to change, where we have a baseline, and then we can measure uh, from there. And we're really trying to get to that point right now. It's a, I don't know, three, seven, five, ten year journey for us, and it will probably be for anyone else. And but don't be afraid of that because if you don't start, it'll take another ten years from tomorrow or a day after tomorrow, right? So you just got to get started, um, I guess. And that's what we're trying. We we did the data foundational stuff. We've set out um, set up our marketing machine now. And now we can actually start deploying campaigns to audiences based on the interventions that we are using to change a problem in a context. That sounded a little bit uh, wibbly-wobbly, but, but it is actually not that complicated. That was not a political answer at all. That was oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was very, very in-depth. And I mean, I've written so many things. Like that bit where you're talking about that A-B testing and actually, you know, building out different versions of learning, you know, I've actually not really seen that that application of or that level of testing, I suppose, in in any L and D function that I've ever heard of. So, you know, I I, th I agree. I think that's where we need to get to, and I think you're making it clear that that's not something that you guys are are necessarily doing at this immediate moment, but something that you're aspirationally aiming towards. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, it takes a long time to get there. I think there's there's many people who need to think a little bit differently and do things differently. And then we need a that the chicken and the egg kind of thing, right? So how do you make the business ask for these things? Uh, it's interesting, and I think that you as L and D people have to, you know, take the first step and do it, and to you know see the impact of it. And I think once the business gets a taste for this, uh, they won't leave us alone. Uh, they want more. So that's my, that's my hypothesis anyway. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I always say, like, how do we make our people hungry for learning, right? Mm. How do we build up appetite and desire and, or, you know, as we would say in marketing, demand generation, generate demand for learning. You mentioned your marketing machine. I want to mm -hmm. talk about what that is, what that looks like, and how you guys are actually introducing a layer of marketing communications into L&D at Novo Nordisk. Yeah, and... That's a great question. And uh, some of your stuff, most of your stuff that you're doing on, on the blog and with masses inspired, been a big inspiration for us. Um, and oh, it's, uh, we have to say, Ashley, we have to be honest, marketing is not a new thing. <laughs> I mean, no, no way. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, but it's, it's apparently when you put it into learning and development, it's, it's kind of an epiphany. Woohoo. We can do really amazing stuff but it's it's not rocket science and it has been around for quite a while but it is really powerful i think if we use it in the right context here so what we are doing is we're taking all the data that we have which is also very normal to have data in a marketing function anywhere else and then you base your communication campaigns on that data so you can do it in different ways we, we can have data uh, which triggers interventions let's say for we know from all of our impact analysis that this intervention, this specific course or program makes a very big difference with our sales population. Let's test it out with a different sales population in a different region to see if we get a similar result. It could also be um, that we're trying to identify, and we have that need as, as most other companies do in the world. We need to enhance our, or at least help our female leaders uh, get promoted. 
because that's that's something that we that we're missing um, on a senior level. So how do we as an L and D function help with that purpose? So we can identify in the HR data who they are. We can also in our skills data identify who of them have actually uh, got an interest in in uh, learning and developing themselves uh, on these leadership skills that we assign to the programs. And we can have a lot more data points um, filtering out or segmenting out the audience that we need to run these, this campaign to. So if we'd want our uh, female upcoming leadership population, let's call them that in lack of better words, to get on a program and we want to promote this program to them and get them to sign up specifically to enhance this purpose of getting more senior female leaders, then we know from the data and the segmenting who to send it to. That might be 145 people or 1,050 people, doesn't matter. But that specific population will then be with all these attributes. And when we know who they are, we can also tailor our communication, our marketing to these people with that data to convince them, because we need to, it's marketing, um, to jump on the wagon here, jump on the opportunity and get on the program and start learning um, and that we can use the data for. So we use different data points. One of the things that we, we find very useful is to mention some something that people have done before in our system. So we could send an email to you saying, hi, Ashley, we know that you rated yourself below four on three of the key leadership skills in Novo Nordisk. We also know that you are, you're one of our talents <laughs> in, the, in, in the company, so we really would like you to go on this program. And then we could use some, some, some messaging from other parts of the marketing machine where we've got information about what people's communication preferences would be. Um, and then we could tailor make our communication to, to that as well. That, that would be if, if you're very fiery red, um, that would be get on the program now and, you know, stay competitive and stuff like that. Um, or, you know, as in your career, whatever, right? So, so you could, you could amend your message to these people, or you could, you could tailor your message to these people, depending on who they are. And then we end up, then this is the beautiful thing, because mainly what I've seen in communications is that you send the same email to a thousand people and then you hope it sticks. Yep. Once and you send it once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the thing is now we're actually working with a machine where you send one. Th let's say the audience is one thousand and fifty people. We would be sending one thousand and fifty different emails. Mm. It, they wouldn't be the same emails because it would contain different information that would be tailored to the data points of that individual person. Sure. So you're using like dynamic content to pull through structured data points. Yep, exactly. Dynamic content, which is beautiful. Mm. Um, and we can then, um, because you wouldn't want to promote a course to people that they've already been on or that was scored or rated lowly uh, or low in your company or didn't have the impact that we could see in our impact studies. So what we have is also a decision engine in the background running saying, if Ashley's been on this course, take the second best option and promote to Ashley. And then we follow up afterwards, whether you sign up, whether you complete it, and then if there's any, we hope to God there is, a baseline and any impact measurement that we can put on that that program or course that you said you, you went on, or we can see that that you you know it's career progression in this case, we could measure that over time. Let's say twelve, eighteen, two years later, uh, months, years later, right? So, so there's there's something to that whole machine where we're trying to target you with the stuff that we know you need from the data that we have or the purpose that we're trying to achieve, 
and then you get an individual message and then we track whether you open the email you know did you go and sign up for the course and what happened afterwards mm. and that's the whole thing that we really want to do we want to make sure that we're developing developing people in the right direction for the company and the individuals and we do know that we need marketing in order to you know get people to do stuff engagement is a huge problem you don't just get engagement you can't just send emails to people people ignore e emails right or messages they do if they're not relevant and if they don't you know speak to them i know i'm preaching to the choir here but that is that is basic <laughs> basic marketing knowledge right yeah absolutely but we need to shift that mindset because I, I think the, that attitude does is very latent in our industry that it just is expected to be there in our employee base. It's very surreal to me. <laughs> but you know that I mean that's that's the big thing that we need to tackle first and foremost is that mindset of actually it is our job to do this. It is the onus is yes. not on the employee to want to learn. The onus is on L and D to motivate the employee to learn, and then ensure that the learning experiences and the programs are relevant and aligned to business goals and designed in a way that actually effectively impacts performance. You know, so it, it is it is one piece of the pie. I'm very ecstatic to hear you talk in such a data-led way, particularly when it comes to marketing. You know, the level of sophistication that you've just described to me is what I don't see some B2B or B2C marketing functions doing, which is very uh, data-led behavior-based marketing interventions, most of which I expect hmm. is automated, but I could be making the wrong assumption there. Yeah, it will be uh, most of it. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, I would have thought so, right? But that's good. You've done all the thinking in the first place, and this ultimately frees up a lot of your guys' time to do other stuff whilst True. this automation engine's running in the background. The question I have for you is the question I see a lot or a challenge that my clients always have, which is you don't have the sophisticated technology in-house to be able to do this. You know, they're still on SharePoint 2013. They're, they haven't even got an email platform that they can use to send basic stylized HTML emails, mm. their LMS is old and can't even do any sort of segmentation or personalization. What on earth are you guys, in, guys using in Novo Nordisk to deliver that level of sophisticated behavior-based marketing and communications? And did you have to do any persuasion at the hires up to actually allow you to get that into your That's function? A, that was a lot of questions in one. <laughs> you left to remind. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay, but, but you have to remind me if I don't answer. My terrible interview. No, it's good, but it's just <laughs> keeping track of all that in my brain is just really. But yeah, just remind me if I miss something. Um, it doesn't take a lot actually, and you can do a lot with 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 little. Um, so we are fortunate to have a platform where we can ask people which skills they have and then they can go rate themselves on those skills and we can continuously nudge people because we can see who did it and who didn't nudge people to do that to tell us their interests right but you can i mean you can collect that information in a simple microsoft form and, con and you control all that next spreadsheets i know it's a little bit cumbersome but it is not that difficult um so you just have to think about your foundation what we use to distribute, because we, we actually don't at the moment have a, a platform to distribute communication through. Uh, we have had that in the past, but uh, for security reasons, we couldn't use that anymore. So now we're trying to, to onboard a new one. But until then, we've just used mail merch. The good old okay. mail merch, because it works. It You know, you can run yep. 
dynamic content from mail merge. You can't track per se what people do in the emails when they receive them, but you can track if people sign up afterwards because you do have an, a very old LMS if that's the content you're linking to. Um, yeah, so so it really doesn't take a lot. And then you have all the other data. If if you and I really would recommend this, link up with someone in, in you know who knows about data in your organization or you know prioritize a headcount to hire someone who does know what to do. Um, you can collect data from all various sources in the company, like sales, like the HR data where there's a lot of demographics in, all sorts of other data, and obviously need to have your GDPR and, and data legislation pieces in place so that you don't do anything you wouldn't mm -hmm. want to do. But once you have all that foundation in place, it's 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 pretty easy to do without big investments in, in fancy tools. You don't need that. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd just recommend to get started in collecting data setting up the foundation for your data um, and then start thinking about upskilling yourself on mail merch if you can't get you know a decent amount of money for a, a marketing platform yeah and i think ultimately the question it begs the question whether lnd does need a marketing platform you know are are we ever going to be to a level of an external marketing team where we need that level of sophistication yeah. i'm not Sure. No, but there, there are advantages yeah. to that because you can control audiences, which means that you can have different people running different campaigns at different times, also from different places, without having access to the same audience, which is good. And you can automate a lot. And you can also use dynamic content in a different way where you can track very detailed things. It's a lot more user-friendly to have something like that. So I would recommend it if you've got the budget. But if you don't, you can still do this. That's the message, yeah. I think. <laughs> That's a, and that's a you know a very very uplifting thing I think to hear because I think sometimes there's this thought process that we don't have a lot of channels we have way more than we think we do but also even if you don't have a lot of channels you can still do really effective marketing communications and campaigns even through just the medium of email you know we've seen incredible results with some of our clients just doing email campaigns it just has to have that data underneath it and it has to be led by learner led I guess you know focusing on that what's in it for me in that piece. I have one final question for you, Peter, because I'm just conscious I'm stealing your time. <laughs> results. We've talked a lot about impact. We've talked a lot about, you know, how we need to actually start evidencing our performance in L&D. Mm -hmm. What sort of results are you guys getting from your L&D efforts and from the marketing machine? Right. Um, so it's still early days. As I talked about before, you, still, you do need a runway and some time to measure impact. Um, so, so I can't, I can't give you, and I wouldn't be able to give you because they're very business specific, uh, decent, decent uh, history on results. I probably will in a couple of years, um, which is the honest version. But from the marketing machine, we can still, we can start measuring on engagement activity, right? So we can see how many of the people that we engage in these campaigns actually does something afterwards, signs up, and then we can start tracking from there. And we can tell you um, that we've got a conversion rate at about between. Two to five, six percent, I think. Um, now, which is to any marketer out there, I think really decent, actually. And, and mm. that's, you know, it's getting better. Um, and then we're, we're working with a, a measurement on how many of the signups that we see afterwards or how many of, of the people we wanted to, to you know, do something did it because of our campaign or did it, you know, organically through other channels of reaching to the same uh, goal. And we can see that within 70 to 100% of the time, and this is this is every time, we are responsible for for the sign up. Um, okay. So so that's quite remarkable. 
it does work and we are scaling it right now and we're seeing pretty marvelous results. Um, not surprisingly to me, that if we actually start communicating directly with people, then we also get uh, to read the benefits of that. Um, so we can track now that our campaigns are working, that this is the way that we engage people to do what we want them to do, whether the courses and the programs and the, and the content that we link to has the impact we wanted to, I can't tell you before we have had that runway of 6, 12, 18 months, maybe more. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair as well. You know, like when we do things like SEO, like Google rankings, it takes a long time to see impact, you know. And as I've always yes. said, if we're changing hearts and minds, changing people's behavior, that is a slow process, as we all well know in L&D. So, you know, we, we can't necessarily have business impact. I mean, this is why I think we need to benchmark in the first place. Let's at least draw the line in the sand. And then we can say, okay, well, this year we're performing at this level. And then in a year's time, what's different? You know, monitoring campaign and engagement um, performance so that you can iterate again and improve what you're doing on a more granular, granular level. But that big picture is super, super important. You know, I think, I think for me, the key takeaway is that you guys are data led. You know, you're using data to inform pretty much every decision that you're making when it comes to learning at Nova Nordisk. And I think that that's, giving you a really clear structure uh, and directive, I suppose, in terms of what's actually going to work and build impact for your business and for your employees, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Ever the cynicist. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we are pretty sure, and we're working with confidence intervals as well. You know, So if we did this 10 times, how many times would we be able to re replicate the same result? And we're looking at... Mm a 90 to 99% confidence interval that we're ending up in every time. So we are pretty confident that we can do this um, uh, at scale. Um, but again, this is this is not something we've done before. So it's it's kind of, an, you know, it's still experimenting uh, to some extent. But fortunately, we are seeing very positive results and we really believe in this approach. So uh, we're just, yeah, we, we'll keep trucking out there. Well, Honestly, this has been such an interesting conversation. You know, the, the level of detail and data that you guys are using is absolutely an inspiration. Honestly, I think you're truly trailblazing a different way of doing L&D. And I just wanted to thank you for, you know, coming and sharing what you're doing in your organization with me and with our listeners. You know, thank you so much, Peter. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Likewise. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. But again, thank you so much for giving us your time. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.